You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher continue their conversation about the four S's, as well as listening to our bodies to help us gauge what we're feeling and what we're needing. Slowing down and noticing body sensations with compassionate understanding helps us identify the care we need in moments of stress, anxiety, or shutdown. Practicing the four S's is one of many tools we can use to help us begin to feel safe in our bodies again. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candice. Good to be with you. Good to be with you today. We are on episode four today of Processing Trauma Out Loud. Exciting. I know, right? So today we are going to do a little bit of review from episode three that we talked about something that we put into practice for our healing journey called the four S's. Do you want to just remind us of what those four S's are? Yes. Being seen, soothed, safe, and secure. And last time we talked uh, about being seen and being soothed and Just real briefly, being seen is just to experience someone recognizing where I am and who I am in that moment, what I'm feeling, or and and also for us to recognize it for ourselves, right? To even be able to see ourselves, something that we needed in childhood, but may have not gotten. So it's it can be a skill that we have to learn now to slow down and see what is it that I'm actually feeling. And then we also talked about being soothed. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, being soothed is something that we offer ourselves and something that we would receive from others. In those moments, what can feel like being dysregulated where we get in high anxiety and stress or we actually go the other way and maybe get shut down because of an overwhelming thought, feeling, emotion, body sensation. And so just knowing what are the healthy things that we can turn to that can bring us soothing in that moment. And you and I both talked about in episode three that we often do that for one another just by reaching out and just saying, this is where I'm at. And actually there's a, there's a part of being seen that helps soothe. Yeah. And I want to also name that our desire to be seen and soothed because it can, as an adult, it can almost feel childish, right? Like, ah, what's wrong with me? Like our desire to be seen and soothed is a beautiful, glorious desire. Mm -hmm. It's something for myself that I cursed for a long time. I just felt like, hi, I hate this about myself that I always am looking for someone who's looking for me only to discover now that that's how I'm created. Like that's my glory. Like that desire is so beautiful. And I want to affirm that as you feel that desire to be seen and to soothe, be seen and soothe, that's a beautiful, glorious desire. Yeah. I I want to add just something really quick to that, that I think is so important. One of the reasons why that's hard is because there are some messages that we can receive that it's selfish. But I want to say, when you are consistently seen and soothed, and we're going to get into feeling safe and what security means, it's actually in those spaces that we have the capacity 
the energy and the aliveness to get outside of ourselves, to take care of other people, to be generous. And I think that's important to name that it's not selfish. It's actually the launching pad to be able to then go on to care for others in the way that they need. Do you agree? I love it. You know, and Isaiah 61 talks about that, bind the wounds of the brokenhearted and set the captives free. Like that's the work that we're doing here, right? Because as long as we're brokenhearted, we're living in our places or from our places of woundedness. Mm-hmm. We can't be fully alive. We can't be, we can't express or care or love others the way that we even want to, mm-hmm. as long as we're living out of our woundedness. So yes, taking time to walk our own healing path and our own healing journey, which is ongoing probably until the day we die and that's okay. But the further we get, the less consumed by it we really are. And it's so, yes, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was important to name because especially, you know, there, there are certain environments where to, to be able to express those kind of needs may not be well received, but yeah, what we want to go over really quick too, is the, the other two, what it means to feel safe and secure and It is true that when you're in an environment of being seen and being soothed, it creates a level of safety, like literally in your body. There's an embodied awareness that your needs are going to be taken care of, that you are seen, that you do matter, that you do have value, and that you are going to be protected. And so it it would be the opposite of feeling threatened. It's this feeling of safety. It's not just a head knowledge. I'm safe. You literally feel safe in your body, which brings about a rest to it. And then we move into like looking at what security is. So security is the understanding that, listen, all relationships, all of them have ruptures, all of them. But when you also experience repair, Okay. So we're not talking about, you know, you know, abuse and then nothing ever gets dealt with. We're, we're just talking about relationships that have rupture. And when, when you also experiencing the repair, you start to feel a level of security that, Hey, just because we're struggling right now, or just because maybe mom raised her voice at me, but yet she came back and just said, Hey, I just recognized I got a little upset. I raised my voice, but we're okay. And I'm, I'm sorry. I, I should not have handled it that way. You start to feel a level of security that, hey, relationships go through hard things, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to lose the relationship. And especially when that happens early in life, like, and I'm thinking like, even in the womb, mm-hmm. even in the first days and weeks and months, like when a mom is able to provide that, when the baby feels distressed and mom or dad, primary caregivers move toward the baby, the baby feels safe. Mm-hmm. And then when there's further disruption, disruption, they're hungry or whatever their need is, even though they cry out for help, there's already immediately in life being built that sense of security. Mm-hmm. contrast that with the baby who doesn't get that care or the child that is not responded to 
mm-hmm. or even where there is deliberate harm and abuse verbally or emotionally or physically or sexually in some kind of a way where there is a complete lack of safety, there cannot be security. And so these two, all of the four S's really go, they're very intertwined. We're, we're trying to put them as separate, but safety and security especially are so intertwined. So important that when we do not experience safety and, and establish that security early in life, we will go through life feeling unsafe and feeling and struggling probably a lot with feelings of insecurity. Yes, I agree. And I know that we also want to talk about, you know, what, what is our body telling us? How do we know what spaces are we in when we're not feeling seen, when we're not being sued or we don't feel safe or we don't feel secure. And that comes through really slowing down and listening to our bodies because our bodies give us indications or warnings or just really kind reminders in different ways, but we really haven't been taught to listen to our bodies. That's just new for me in the last few years. What about you? Yes. And even as as you're talking about that, I'm thinking like, how would I put words to, right? So something that I have felt a lot through my life are these deep feelings of loneliness. What does that actually feel like? And I'm I'm going to see if I can put some words to it because I'm not sure that I, I've really put a lot of words to it, but I will say that I think it starts with a pressure in my heart and it doesn't feel like pressure from the outside in. It almost feels like vacuum. Mm -hmm. I've also used the word emptiness before, Mm -hmm. like just this deep need of something to fill. Mm-hmm. And I feel it in my, in my heart area of my body. And yeah, even as I say that now, and I, and I'm taking a deep breath now, like, oh, yeah, but I think when I'm there, I can't breathe deeply. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I breathe shallow mm-hmm. and there's longing for something to come and, and feel me. That's, that's what I, that's the sensation that I feel in my body. First time I think I've ever actually described it. I'm, I'm becoming aware of what it feels like, but it's helpful to put, put those words to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask you what that feels like in your body. Yeah. And as we get to know our bodies by slowing down and just being curious without judgment, without those accusations. I know for me, a body sensation that I can feel sometimes is just, I call it kind of similar to yours, but it's, it's more in my gut and it just feels like a, a pit, like at this deep pit. And it, it, um, when I notice it, I now, now that I know more of what it is, and I actually have had some stories that I felt this as a child at times, and it was the fear of abandonment. It was this feeling that I was going to be left Mm. all alone. Yeah. And so today, you know, when that feeling might pop its head up for whatever reason, I'm, I'm able to like, "Mm, there you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I notice you, I see you. 
And, you know, I just, I talk to that younger place and I bring, I, I see it, I soothe it. And I am aware now, like I'm able to sink into the safety and the security that I actually have, that I'm not being abandoned, mm. that I do have some deep, strong, real connections that I know that if there are ruptures, there's going to be repair. And it's just, it's actually changing my life. I love that. And I think I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking about the various things that I feel at times. And I'm thinking, where do I feel that in my body? I have some things that I feel in my neck. I will feel stress a lot of times, especially on the right side, kind of just the very top of my neck on the right side. And I've come to identify that when I feel that, okay, I'm feeling insecure about something. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that sometimes when my diaphragm, I will feel a lot of tension in my diaphragm. And so I'm starting to become more aware of when I feel it in these particular areas of my body. Mm -hmm. Now I'm, it's, it's easier for me now to say, oh, there's anxiety again, or there's loneliness again. And then I can move toward it, like exactly like you said, with such gentleness and compassion. Hey, little girl. And I, ref I refer to my, my inner child, my, my younger part. Hey, younger, uh, Hey, little girl, I see you there. And mm -hmm. I understand. Mm -hmm. Let me take care of you. And, and so then there's, instead of being fragmented, you know, to where my, my younger part is somewhere off alone and having to try to cope, I'm building that integration now with these younger parts of myself that really experienced severe harm and had no way of getting help in the situation. Mm -hmm. That's so good, Cher. And I, I feel like you've, you have kind of opened up my understanding. You, you've been very consistent in that practice. And I know it was a little bit harder for me in the beginning. And yet you kept gently inviting me to go back and really pay attention and to be curious. I was very harsh on myself. I've, I've called myself names. I've, <laughs> you know, it, it can be difficult when you're trying to navigate what's really going on here. But yeah. as we begin to listen to what our body's telling us with curiosity and kindness and compassion, it begins to disrupt what we would normally do in triggers that weren't good, whether it's lashing back out and hurting others, whether it's coping behaviors that are self-destructive or other destructive, being able to put this into practice and seeing the fruit of it, honestly, I think would make the world a better place for all of us. Well, absolutely. The most important relationship is what? The, re the relationship you have with yourself. I mean, if we hate ourselves, and if you have childhood trauma, you do hate yourself. Lots of aspects of yourself. There's lots of self-contempt there. Or you hate the world. Mm -hmm. um, or both. But I mean, <laughs> and, you, and you have to. Like, that's how we survived, right? We survived by believing that our neediness was the problem or our desires were the problem. And so as we begin to have compassion and love and gentleness with our little parts or in our bodies, our bodies, I call my body, dear body. I refer to my body now as 
oh, dear body, I see you there. I feel those feelings and I love you. Like I will, I had contempt for my body for most of my life, but now I have such gentleness and tenderness that when I move toward my body with kindness, I'm able to love others in a much more truly loving way Mm. than I was previously. When we hate ourselves, we truly cannot love others. Yeah. Because we're, we live life on autopilot and we just learn what we have to do to make things work. Yeah. But true love actually comes out of choice. And when we don't feel like we have choices and we, but yet we know kind of what the right thing to do is we can actually keep doing the right things, but not truly have love. And so we, we want to say that there is healing found in knowing your body, working with someone that can help you in those spaces. Mm. And that maybe some of these things that you feel like are just never going to change that that just might not be true. Exactly. Yes. Because some of my things took five decades, right? So (laughs) (laughs) if you didn't give up, it's never too late. Yes, I did not give up. So, but as we're talking about, you know, bringing safety to our body, stepping more into that place of security, like, I think it's important for us to talk a little bit about what are some of the tools that we use when our body gets dysregulated. And by that, I mean, when we start to feel really anxious or really lonely or really angry or whatever. But when we get more to the extremes of very highly aroused or less aroused on the spectrum of excited or energized, that's what I mean when I use the word aroused or arousal, like it's about when we feel a lot of energy or very little energy. Let's talk a little bit about some of the tools that we use that help us then bring our body back to a place of calmness. So what's, what are some, what are a couple of your favorite tools? I would say my biggest go-to when I'm getting hyper aroused, which would be very elevated, would be to go for a walk or a run there. That's been one of the most stabilizing things for me. I do journal sometimes and it, I think at one season that probably was what I turned to, but I have to move my body now. And, you know, yoga is a part of that. I need body movement. Yeah. And we all need body movement. Like I'm going to just say that, like we all literally need it. And it's so effective, especially like if we can get out in the nature, because being in nature is very grounding. It brings our body back to a state of stability and even better, like hug a tree, like literally I've been hugging trees for the last year. Like it actually, our body actually increases the hormonal level of oxytocin when we hug a tree Mm. or a cat or a dog or, you know, but I mean, it's, it's amazing, like just being in nature. And then another thing that comes to mind for me is sometimes when I feel like I'm really checking out or like something has happened and it's causing me to dissociate, which means I can feel almost like I'm floating away. My, my hearing changes, my vision changes a little bit. And now I've started to recognize when that pull to dissociate is beginning. 
I can catch it. And I have found like even just stomping my feet on the floor or tapping my feet on the floor or clapping my hands. Like when we go really low on that energy scale, sometimes we need something that kind of peps us up or brings us back. And so just simple things like stomping on the floor or clapping my hands, that mm-hmm. even that is really effective. Yeah. There are so many tools and resources in this. Like we could literally do many episodes on the tools and resources, and we are going to be getting into more just for right now, you know, moving your body uh, in some way and maybe journaling, sometimes just trying to lay down and take a nap. I know sometimes I just realize I just need a nap. Yeah. Even talking to a friend, like reaching out to somebody who can handle where you're at and who will be, who will see you. Mm -hmm. Uh, See that like, this is the perfect, right? If it's someone who will see you, Mm -hmm. someone who can speak a couple of words of soothing, someone who will remind you, Hey, right now in your body, you don't feel safe because it's taken you back to a younger place. But I want to just remind you, like, I think you're safe right now, right? Are you safe right now? Yeah, getting the voice of another person who can speak into the disruption is so helpful. So good, Cher. I know there's more to share on this topic and I look forward to it because we both, I mean, we're both seeing the benefits of it, right? So powerful. And that's why we wanted to pass on some very specific tools, easy to use that anyone can do in the moment. Um, Sometimes it takes practice, but these are tools. Like it's like we've had to develop our own toolbox, right? We've had to get our things that work for us so that when we're faced with a situation, it's there and we know that it works. And we just want to say to our listeners, as we bring this episode to a close, that we acknowledge, we see, we understand deep harm. We know deep, deep harm Mm -hmm. and things that have felt at times like almost impossible to overcome. Mm -hmm. And yet we are moving toward healing and we are experiencing healing of even horrible injustices that were done to us. I say that to our listeners to bring hope that it's even these simple little practices that make a difference. And so I just, I want to say, hold on to hope, keep hoping, keep believing healing is available to us all. I agree, Cher. So good to be with you today. You too, friend. I love you. I love you too. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Kayla Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audistory LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.